What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Sheehan Show here on Sherdog.com. My name is Sean Sheehan, and I am absolutely delighted to be joined today by Cage Warriors commentator Brad Wharton to look ahead to Cage Warriors 162, which goes down in Rome this Saturday night. And Brad, before we get into that card, I feel like I feel like we need a mini Cage Warriors state of the, the union here because this is my favorite time. At Cage Warriors, because I feel like, uh, I f- look, Cage Warriors is a promotion that builds and rebuilds and builds and rebuilds, like with a small roster of, and uh, Graham Boyan was talking to the lads in the All Triangle last week, and he basically said that they've had two years and in two years and in two years. And it's funny because if you look at what has happened in the divisions in the last year or so it's crazy like at 125 we had the one uh, with new champion but we had the 135 champion coming down to fight at 125 so he uh, vacated his title the guy that won the title for him Kellen Lochran is gone to the UFC at 145 that champion just moved to 155 and he could be gone to the UFC the 155 champion just fought in Dana White Contender Series the last two 170 champions are bought in the UFC Christian Leroy Duncan gone to the UFC Melissa Spagowskis has gone to the UFC so literally the top the top of Cage Warriors has been absolutely wiped out and decimated and then you can add in Oban Elliott and a few more as well but the rebuild is starting and we see the new prospects coming and we see the new people who are going to emerge and maybe take those spots it's such an exciting time because like we could easily panic and go oh Jesus Cage Warriors have lost all their best fighters but what Cage Warriors do is lose all their best fighters and then get more best fighters and build them to where they're going and to look and see and for you to be cage side watching those guys achieve that and build towards that it must be exciting Brad and talk about that but also if there's any names that you think these guys are going to be the next champions these guys are the guys you need to look out for going forward because there is a whole load of them piling up at the moment isn't there yeah absolutely you know it's it's this is going to sound really cheesy, but, you know, Cage Warriors really is the place where dreams come true. And, you know, getting to sit there, for example, uh, in Rome earlier this year and see Kaelin Lotran in that fight with Dylan Hazan, uh, you know, those guys tore lumps out of each other. And when Kaelin won that fight, you know, that that whole, the brash persona of the Don, it just disappeared for a minute. It just melted away. And you saw what it meant to the person, Kaelin Lockrun, not, you know, not the brash exterior, not the character. You saw what it meant to the man. And, and for me, being able to witness so many of those moments, um, you know, I've, this next show will be uh, my 10 years of being Cage Warriors play-by-play commentator. And to be able to witness those and, and tell those stories firsthand, uh, it's just an incredible privilege. Uh, and none of it would be possible without the rest of the team and the work that goes into it, the matchmaking and the promotion from the media side of things, the the team that all organize the events and the, the logistics and the travel. It's, you know, we're a small team, but we do big things. Um, we do big things for these guys' careers and getting to see a guy like Morgan Charrier, who, you know, looked like he was going to get so close so many times. And then, you know, he, he loses to Vigenic, he loses to Paul Hughes, and then he gets that dream moment at UFC Paris. And all of a sudden, all the heartache, all the hard work, all the travel, all the sleepless nights, it's all worth it for everyone. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of guys coming up, honestly, man, like throw it, throw a dart at something and you're going to hit one on the Cage Warriors roster right now. There's, there's some incredible talent. And, you know, you only need to look back at uh, Dublin last weekend. Uh, you know, you saw Joe Harris bring uh, half the building behind him. You know, we were all super surprised to turn around and just see everyone on their feet so early in the card. Um 
you know, I, I predict big things for his future, wherever that may be. Um, and you know, even the, some of the guys who the results didn't go their way. I mean, I'm convinced Leon Hill's going to be a Cage Warriors champion within the next year or so. He's certainly got all the talent. Came up short on the night against another ridiculously talented, uh, undefeated guy, Nyan Davies. Um, you know, certainly no shame in that. Predict big things for both those guys. Uh, look, the featherweight division is still an absolute murderer's row. There's guys coming through. There's guys on this Italian card. You know, we may not even get to touch on them today because it's a pretty big card. But, you know, there's a couple of undefeated prospects, 2-0, 3-0 on this card. Uh, and again, I predict in 18 months' time, you know, Graham Boylan talks about that life cycle. You're going to be looking at these guys on the main card and maybe even bothering the title picture. So it's fun times, as always. It, it, as always, yeah, because it's... When Graham said that last week, I was very intrigued by it. Like a guy, say a guy like Solomon Simon or a guy uh, like Jer Harris or like the, uh, all the Team KF lads. Like even say the Team KF lads, it wasn't the greatest uh, night for them. You know, they had a couple of losses and a couple of wins. Um, but you can just, like you can see with a couple more wins coming back, they're going to bounce back pretty quickly, get those opportunities and kind of get back in there. And uh, I, I, I agree with you on Jer Harris. He just, he went to another level, I feel like, that night. And sometimes you see that, like Paul uses a great example of a guy who has probably jumped levels maybe three times in his career, or may, maybe even more. And the last, Vucinic was a real jumping level, I think. And, you know, he kind of carried that on and, you know, Vucinic is a top, top fighter. So getting him out of there is uh, not no disrespect to Key Higgins. Or anything. He's a very good fighter as well. But I think Hughes and Vucinic are both good enough to be in the UFC. And I, I think Vucinic will be back in that title mix pretty soon as well. Just a word on Hughes, though, I suppose, before we, we move on to this week's card. Like, I suppose if you're... If you're cage warriors, you do at that stage you do get like a little bit greedier. Like, give me, give us one more, Paul. We'll have the title, and like, and it's not even that greedy because he calls out Hardwick at any opportunity he gets, and he wants that fight. I feel like if cage warriors are making a comeback to Dublin at the beginning of next year, maybe, and maybe that's not on the cards. We saw, you know, Graham was talking about that how hard it is to get venues and everything like that. That fight. Would that be the biggest fight in Cage Warriors history? It, it has to be right up there if we were able to get Hughes and Harry. It would certainly feel like it. I, I think in terms of the stakes for both guys, it, it would be one of the most meaningful fights in Cage Warriors history. You know, uh, I think a, a loss to either man would be absolutely devastating. I mean, can you, ima- can you imagine if Paul Hughes got knocked out by George Hardwick? Where, you know, where does he go then? Does he start to rebuild at 145? Does he carry on at 155? You know, it's it's tough, you know, it it sets him back by, you know, potentially a couple of years in terms of the UFC dream. And you say the exact same thing about George, you know, Uh, drop that fight in the contender series. If Paul Hughes goes in there and stops him, you know, it's a long road back and it really is a long road back. Um, look, you know, I think in a perfect world from a cage warrior's point of view, we'd love to put that fight on in Dublin. We'd love to put it on in Newcastle. We'd love to put it on in London. Uh, you know, I think that's, you know, that, that, that's a European headliner, wherever you want to put it on. It'd be an absolutely huge fight, whether it happens or not. I'm not sure. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they came for Paul Hughes, uh, after that performance, you know, look, not many people stand in front of Yanka Hagens and get away with it. And, and Hughes not only got away with it, he beat him at his own game. Absolutely stunning performance. Um, you know, I said to Paul afterwards that, you know, I just couldn't be happier for him. He, he's, he's earned everything he's got. He deserves all the success that's coming to him. Selfishly, I, I, and I said this to people like Mason Jones and Reese McKee and, and countless others over the year, I'd love to see you stay in Cage Warriors and call you fights for another five years, but also very happy for uh, whatever comes next for them. I think it's interesting for a guy like Hughes as well, because 
like if you know people always say they said it with Paddy and they said it with everyone on the way up. Oh, is it? Uh, are they? You know, are they bigger than McGregor? Are they bigger than the guys that came? Like at the time, McGregor wasn't McGregor. Like in terms of being known, he was a very, very, very good fighter. But like the hype around Paddy coming up was way bigger than the hype around Connor coming up, and the hype around Hughes now and people looking at his like even you see guys like Luke Thomas and guys in, in the states talking about him. Like they know him now. It's like Cage Warriors has become one of those things that you know. You see guys coming through, and you know they are legit. And you see the best of the best. And also, when a guy like Paul is, you know, maybe eighteen months past where he should have gone to the UFC, and definitely a year past where he should have gone to the UFC, to see him still fighting in Cage Warriors like is 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 a bit ridiculous. Like <laughs> to be fair, because he he should really be snapped up. And it's do you know what? It's great to see because we see those. You know, you could see him, uh, especially for people in Ireland here able to go to see him it's not always the case you know with the UFC there hasn't been an event back in, in a long time but you know I, I can't wait to uh, to see what's next for him uh, but what's next for Cagewires is this Rome card this weekend uh, and again there's lots of local talent as you said Brad lots of kind of up and coming talent on this and I think the last time we spoke we spoke about the Italian scene and the the waves it's kind of making at the moment and I think um, especially the French and Italian scene you even see like the Spanish scene coming on as well but I feel like a lot of look Cage Warriors leading the way but a lot of the other promotions well have gone into France have gone into Italy over the last while and you know, despite what Kayla Lochran says, I suppose the, uh, the the ability, the level is rising and rising all the time. I know you spoke about it before, but especially maybe in France more than Italy, that there was different skill sets and a lot of people maybe coming over from judo and other sports. But it, it feels like, especially with the Italian scene and especially with Rome, as we've seen over the last few events, that it's it's kind of going to the next level already, isn't it? A little bit like the Irish scene a few years ago where a few people came through and everyone else is kind of being pulled up behind them. It's great to see, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's um, the MMA scene in Italy has historically not been particularly massive. Uh, obviously, you had Venator a few years ago, um, you know, Uncle Frank putting on some crazy shows, just flying people in from all over the world, booking out hotels to watch the UFC in and, you know, chucking all kinds of money around. But, you know, it, it didn't really, uh, it wasn't really sustainable in the long term like that. And I, I know they tried to then focus on the sort of domestic thing uh, a little bit more. But, you know, the real grassroots, uh, it's kind of been, I don't want to say non-existent, but, th- but there's not been much of it. Um, but, you know, with Cage Warriors being there a year now, uh, I think I mentioned last time we spoke about the Italian scene, the Cage Warriors Academy system uh, has been set up in Italy now. So uh, there was a first show uh, in September. There's going to be another one in November and another one in December. And they're all around the country. So they're giving different regions an opportunity to get involved uh, and just give the amateurs the kind of platform that Cage Warriors have been giving the pros. And obviously that means a year down the line, two years down the line, these guys are going pro but they've had a level of amateur fights that means they're more ready for that transition than the guys were, say, two or three years ago. So it's all an ongoing process. Um, you know, there's been there's a strong boxing and kickboxing background in Italy. You know, there's good jiu-jitsu gyms there as well. And we're seeing these guys cross over into MMA and, and putting it all together. You know, if you look at the, some of the guys, the, the more novice guys in the last few Italy cards, and they, they've got decent kickboxing experience. So they're not novice fighters. Um, which just in that stage of the scene where it's all developing. And, you know, the, the media is the same over there as well. Um, you know, we've, like I say, we've only been there a year and we're already seeing, you know, Italian MMA blogs popping up and putting more content out and, and more media applications to come to the show. So it's fantastic uh, to be a part of that and for Cage Warriors to, 
uh, you know, be invested in the grassroots scene over there. Yeah, 100%. And we see even, like, in the main event here, we've guys that both have less than 10 fights into their career, and, you know, that's what, I suppose, Cage Warriors is all about. We've we've seen both of them fighting Cage Warriors, too, over the last while. They've actually fought before. I couldn't find the fight. I was looking for it um, uh, a few years ago. It was back in, what year was it? 2021. So not that long ago, um, uh, Dimitri was able to get the win here over Simone Patrizzi. And I, I, this is a very intriguing fight. Like you, you see Patrizzi, and he's a very. I, I think he's a green guy. That you see the athletic ability on him. My, he like he's almost destined to go to the next, next level. We talked about Jar Harris earlier on. Like early Jar Harris fights, or I saw Jar Harris as an amateur. He was a little bit like that as well. You kind of you knew because of the athletic ability he had, he could go to that next level, and like. Uh, he just looks like a guy who's going to grow into a very good fighter. He's a good boxer. He has good hands. And in Dimitri, on the other side of it, he um, he almost looks not not necessarily the opposite, but for this stage of his career, he looks like a guy who's. Do you know like the way they say Sean Sean Strickland, Sean, Sean Strickland has sparred a lot. He feels like that. He's very comfortable in the transitions. Um, obviously, we saw the the Cullen fight, um, and we saw the uh, the, look, the Leon Hill fight. It kind of shows it's it's ups ups and downs for a guy like that. It's a very interesting matchup, isn't it? It feels like Patrizzi's going to need this one to stay in the feet. Um, Demetrio is very good on the ground, very good ground and pound. But he's he's to me he's like a striker who will wrestle. Um, he wrestled against Hill, I suppose, after being forced into it in, in fights previous to that, and it didn't work out so well for him in the end. But it's an intriguing enough matchup, and especially with guys this young in their career, sometimes you don't know what they're actually going to produce. Like someone might, they're a boxer one day, they turn into a wrestler the next day. It's an intriguing enough matchup, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I guess the. The thing to talk about here is the history that the guys have, right? So uh, Dimitri got that head kick knockout on, um, I want to say, was it Benetton? No, it was the golden, golden cage. Yeah, golden cage. The golden and, cage. This is why you, and this is why you can't find it, because that golden cage show was a lockdown show in Italy, and it was on UFC Fight Pass. However, there was about 50 million fights on that card, and Fight Pass only took like the top eight. So if you go back into the archives, that that fight was actually way, way down the card. Um, so it does not exist on the internet. Uh, well, legally, at least anyway. In fact, illegally as well. I've, I've checked those I've tried. Too. <laughs> I, I um, tried, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a tough one to track down, but yeah, I, I think, uh, not necessarily that the, the result was like a mega upset or anything, but the way it happened was a bit of a, a surprise. Uh, you know, I think people were kind of expecting Patrizzi to have, uh, Jolene's number on the feet and then bang head kick but you know it's just one of those things that, that happens in MMA um, obviously you know for, for those guys things have gone a little bit differently since Jolene uh, had that what I am almost certain will be the Cage Warriors knockout of the year against Adam Cullen uh, in Manchester earlier this year you know he's a big underdog for that uh, but let's not forget you know he won both rounds of that fight uh, before the third it wasn't like a fluke that came out of nowhere Um and, and then, you know, a huge knockout to start the third round. But that, that was his fight anyway. Um, so a fantastic performance there. And, you know, I've already talked about uh, how talented I feel Leon Hill is. So I don't think it's any uh, shame at all for him to, to drop that fight. But Patrizzi, on the other hand, is the guy on the winning streak, right? So he's on a, a three-fight winning streak. Um, you know, he struggled against Emile Zaferi in his Cage Warriors debut. I think he was 
probably down on the scorecards going into that third round. And as you said, you know, his athleticism and his will to win really uh, brought him back into the fight in that third round. And he got that fantastic stoppage to open up the main card. Patrizzi didn't have to take this fight again. It was Patrizzi who wanted it. He wants this blemish off his record. You know, he could have moved forward against someone else who's on a winning streak uh, in a fight that might do a little bit more for him in terms of the standings. But he wanted Jolene. And obviously, Jolene's like, well, I've done it once. I can do it again. So I think all the ingredients are there for uh, a real banger in the main event. And, and look, you know, this card, I think more than others, you know, we've seen some big title fights in Italy. We've obviously seen Shadchak. Uh, and Martin Yoni. We saw Martin Yoni and Don Wooding. We've seen Dylan Hazan and Kayla Lutwin. Uh, there's no title fight on this one. And, you know, the main event is an all-Italian affair. And we're really looking to showcase the Italian guys. And I- I'm expecting the fans to be making some noise for this all-Italian main event. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. It is, it is one of those where one will emerge and probably be on the road, you know, towards a title you know that that lightweight title you, you don't know what's going to happen you know with Hardwick and with Hughes and all of that so you know maybe it mightn't be next but maybe it might be one more after that very interesting to see that one um from maybe that to the opposite end of it, two guys who have been around for a long time, Simone uh, Dana against uh, Albert Diaz. Um, I've seen both of these lads fight in person over the last few years. Diana fought Brian Moore, Albert Diaz fought Richie Smullen. And I, f- I feel like Albert Diaz is one of these guys that, just just looking at his his record here, like he fought... Um, he fought Steve Emble in 2023. He fought in 2020 against um, against Smullen. He fought in 2019. And then it was 2017, 2016 before that. He's just a guy who doesn't fight enough. And if he fought more, I feel like he would be right because he has all the skills like he's such such a good fighter. He's like flowy, switch stance, constantly throwing. A, tr- a talented guy, but a tricky guy as well. And going in there against uh, Adana, it, you know, he reminds me a little bit of Matt Brown. You know, he's kind of all knees and elbows and willing to throw and willing to fight old school type of guy. This is a very high level fight, isn't it? And, you know, one that could be, I feel like an absolute war. Like the way Adana, Adana comes out there and he throws those big leg kicks and he puts it on you. And, you know, he's one of, the, he's one of these guys that like, I feel like, as long as he's in a scrap, he doesn't care if he wins or loses. And when you go in against a, a guy like Diaz, you know, that can almost be a benefit because Diaz is probably expecting to win this one. And against a guy who doesn't care, you know, that could throw up anything. This is, I'm, uh, this might be my, my fight of the, uh, on, on this card. I, I really, really like this one because I just think it's going to be a good scrap. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, I completely agree, Sean. Uh, you know, you've got two guys who, Love to bring that smash mouth style and, you know, never been in a fight they didn't enjoy. Uh, and that's all the ingredients you need, really. And I think that's, you know, why it's in the position on the card that it is. Um, you know, if you look at Albert Diaz, like you say, it, consistency is key in this sport, right? So you, you want to be fighting regularly. You want to be getting, you know, staying in that rhythm, uh, constantly upping those skills, getting that cage time in. But I suppose the other way of looking at that is, probably doesn't have the same kind of wear and tear on his body as someone who's been fighting three times a year for the last decade. Um, And also in terms of figuring him out as an opponent, you know, if he's not fought for two years before his last fight, what's he bringing? What's, what's he going to bring that's, that's that's new? What's he going to bring that's different? You've not got hours and hours and hours of recent footage on him. uh, So he can be a bit of an enigma. Um, And look, you know, you only need to look at the, He's been matched up twice in Cage Warriors, right? So he, he's going to fight Morgan Sharia on his debut. 
And that should tell you how highly Ian Dean thinks of him in terms of his capabilities. And then Steve Amable, one of the most uh, tenured and durable guys on the Cage Warriors roster for his second fight. Uh, and, and he comes in and beats Steve Amable. And, you know, that's a tough out for anyone. Steve's a hard fight for anyone in that division any day of the week. So, you know, you've got a serious customer there. Diana, obviously, um, making his debut, but he's been in big fights before, as you say, uh, you know, Brian Moore, uh, one of the top uh, guys in Europe for many, many years for my money. Always love seeing Brian fight. Um, you know, no shame in losing to a guy like that at all. Uh, you know, he's he's gone and grabbed a couple of wins on the regional circuit, but make no mistake, this is a big step up now for him. You know, the, the, the guys that he fought regionally, you know, I think they were maybe get right fights just to, to get his confidence back in there. And at 28 years of age, you know, it's kind of now or never for him. And, and I think this is a good fight, you know. If he wants to make it, if he wants to be uh, making his way towards the upper echelons of the division, you've got to beat a guy like Albert Thea. So I'm expecting a war. I'm expecting a very, very fun fight. I wouldn't put money in this one if you pointed a gun at my head because I genuinely don't know. It's it's tough as well. Like the other side of it, a guy like Diaz, you don't know whether he's been training and improving a lot or you don't know whether he's not been training. Now... The way he's fought in the last fight, the last two fights, you would suggest what you said was is correct because he's looked so good. But you, like you just never know. He's probably working a job. He's probably not doing this. But a guy like that, it's it's you know, Joe McCulligan was a little bit like that as well. But like Joe, at the end of it, Joe was like, I can't keep making these improvements. You know, I, I kind of have to pick one side of it. Maybe DS is the same, but f- selfishly, I hope it's the MMA side because I think he's such a, a talented guy. Speaking of Brian Moore, though, Luca Avine is also on this card who's fought Brian Moore. Um, and I think this is an interesting matchup against uh, Andre Tyshinko because it's a guy with, what, eight fights into his career against the guy that's what, 28 fights into his career. And I, f- I feel like, again, you mentioned Ian Dean a second ago. This is kind of an Ian Dean special. You're putting a guy who they see with a lot of potential in there against the guy who's going to test him. Um, and watching Tychinko, uh, he's a very good wrestler. Like he, ch- He's one of these guys as well. He's not just a wrestler that takes you down and lays on top of you. Like He tries to pass immediately almost, and it's sometimes it gets him into bad positions. It gets him reversed, but he's he's happy enough to be on the bottom too. You know, he goes for submissions. Atta- like You just call him an attacking fighter. He attacks from everywhere. Maybe not the best striker in the world, although he, with a guy that young in his career, it's going to be improving and improving all the time. I'm going in there with Avin, like who's a straight-up kickboxer, pressure guy with big leg kicks and that power right hand it's a test and the type of test a young guy like Tashinko who's you know as I said only eight fights into his career needs isn't it Brad yeah absolutely I mean look Tashinko can bang as well right he 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 is he is a striker by trade and he's training at a boxing squad in France uh, of course originally from Ukraine he's relocated to France to train the boxing squad who are a very tenured MMA gym and obviously no one primarily for their striking, you know, he can go on the feet. And I think, you know, you look at uh, Tushenko's last fight against Yoga Proboa, who was almost a pure striker. That's why you were kind of seeing the takedowns in that fight. You know, that was the kind of sensible route to victory for him. But he's got a lot to offer in, in all phases of the game. And, you know, for a guy to, uh, you know, transport his life to a, a completely different part of the world in order to chase his dreams, you've got to admire that kind of character about him. He's, he's quite clearly very serious about what he's doing and you know there's a bright future for him he's got to beat guys like Luca though you know this is a guy who as you say 28 fights him 
he's had some mixed results. Uh, you know, most of those mixed results have, have come, you know, in in his last sort of ten fights or so. You know, he had a very very good start to his uh, to his pro career. Um, obviously fought. Uh, Nathaniel Wood on his Cage Warriors debut for the title, uh, you know, got stopped. And he's, and he's kind of had some bad luck in Cage Warriors since, right? He absolutely smashed Mike Ekendeo and then blasted him with an illegal knee when Ekendeo was pretty much out. And, you know, it, it definitely wasn't intentional because he was absolutely devastated after the fact. But, you know, that was a, a, as clear a disqualification as you're going to see. And and then you look at his uh, his other fight with uh, with Chris Edwards, and again, there was an there was an illegal knee, and I believe a fence grab as well. He ended up having about three points taken, so he would have won that, but for the mistakes that he made. So, you know, is he he's a guy who's perhaps a bit better than that record suggests. And you know, I guess the trouble with getting into Cage Warriors, fighting for the title, being on Fight Pass, having high profile fights, is that the fights kind of stay high profile, and guys were sort of bringing him in to fight their guy, and he, you know, he's had mixed results. I think that's fair to say, but. You know, to be fight back in Italy, uh, you know, he was very, very excited to to be back on Cage Warriors uh, and to be able to do so in his home nation as well. And look, you know, I think if he can put a run together, you know, there's no reason why this guy can't be, you know, maybe the gatekeeper to the, to the upper echelons of the division um, and, and to steal the hype of a prospect like Tushenko. I, I know he'd love to do that. We know he's got the ability to finish, just needs to keep those tools pointed at the right areas not pointing at guys' heads when they're on the ground. Keep those fingers out the fence. Keep his cool. And he's got a lot to offer, I think. Yeah, I remember uh, a certain Brian Moore giving out about that as well. <laughs> I said there was, a, there was an incident in that fight as well, if the memory serves me right. But yeah, it's, it's a very, very interesting he's one. A pa- he's a passionate guy. He is, He's yeah. a passionate guy. It happens, it happens. to the best of us. It happens to the best of us. Um, Sometimes you just need a guy in the head, you know. <laughs> you just, these uh, things happen in the, the head was looking for the knee, you know. <laughs> these things do happen. We're going to need a, these things to happen in an MMA fight if, if an illegal knee or something happens in that one this weekend, Brad. I'm going to need that. Um... I'm very looking forward to the women's strawweight bout as well, and I, I feel like I feel like there's been more and more women's fights in, uh, on Cage Warriors cards recently, and that's really good as well because you know the opportunities aren't always there for for the women on the way up, and there's more and more women fighting now all the time, and it's great to see as well. So we've Mikhail Desinia here who had an opportunity in the contender series has taken a lot of tough fights down through the years, fighting another tough fighter against Samantha Jean-Francois. Paddy Pimblet was on the commentaries for her last fight, and I was listening, watch, watching back to it, and he was like, he described her as seasoned, and I think that's a very good word to describe her as. She's very comfortable everywhere. A striker, pressure, she'll empty the tank, um, and sometimes the takedowns are her issue, but against Jean-Francois, I don't think that'll be the issue because, God almighty, she is a talented striker, a real athlete. You know, she's fought some really good people. She fought Zhang Weili a few years ago and all. She she can get the fight to the ground as well, but, uh, you know, she's good ground upon and good subs, you know. And you, you see, she's, to me, one of those fighters, and I don't know if you agree or not, Brad, but you look at her record, and I think she's seven submissions and one KO. But I think that's more of people taking her down and she has to find a way to beat them there rather than her wanting to actually take me you know to submit people i think this is a fight where and maybe one of the first fights for samantha where her opponent will actually face her straight up and fight her on defeat 
and that could lead to something absolutely special here. So Anders won last four in a row. She beat Valentina Skatizi in one of those as well. I've watched that fight a few times, obviously covering Skatizi as well, and that was a very good finish there uh, in that one. She's on a real run here and could potentially be a future star in Cage Warriors if she was able to get the win here. But that that's by no means easy against the Sinew, who's, as I say, a seasoned fighter and uh, it will be a tough out here. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think there's there's a lot going on here for for Nicole. You know, she um, she fought earlier this year, uh, the last Rome event in in July, I believe it was, and you know she had a really good fight, uh, and she got she got dropped at the end of the first round. She got sat down with hard, and it, it, I was very impressed to see her actually recover and be able to come out for the second round. And it was the rest of it was a really really narrow fight, and you know for, for two of the judges. Um, all the work she kind of done in that first round was negated by that that big knockdown at the end. And you know she was maybe you know we're talking one punch, and and she'd have won that fight probably a bit more comfortably. So I think you know it was a bit disappointing for her, uh, you know, to have that one end the way it did. She's thirty five years old now, so you know this is you know potentially going to be the last run of her career. And I, and I know she wants to be getting these wins in front of the Italian fans. She always bring, brings a big crowd. Uh, with her and as you say you know as a fighter she's been in there with some really tough opponents you know first person to hand uh, Corey McKenna a loss so we know she can beat these fighters of ability um, we know she's got a lot to offer and I think she's going to get everything she can handle um, from Samantha you know as you said someone who is just going to go and go and go you know I was kind of wondering with this one you know are, are we going to see Nicole maybe look for the takedown just to mix things up a little bit but she's going to really have to mind the P's and Q's on the ground because uh, as we've seen that's where the vast majority of, of Samantha's wins are coming from um, I, I wouldn't want to hazard a guess at whether this is going to be a stand-up fight or, or a ground fight or whether we're going to see a bit of both so I, I really think uh, everything is up in the air with this one. Um, but what I do know is that McCall is very, very focused coming into this one. She seems to be, you know, in a really kind of, um, you know, a really good place mentally, which you, know, you might worry about considering the loss that she had last time. She seems very at peace with everything and just very focused on going out there and getting the win. And, you know, she said, look, she wants to be the person that makes Cage Warriors bring the title back in her weight division. And in order to do that, she's going to have to get wins in impressive fashion in fights like this. And, and I think the crowd are going to be behind her. Um, but yeah, no easy task ahead of her. Indeed. There's two very interesting flyweight fights on this as well. Uh, Michelangelo Lupoli taking on uh, Nicholas LeBlanc. Obviously, Lupoli, you know, he's been in there with the who's who in cage wearers. Aaron Aby, Sam Creasy, Tanio Pagliariccio, uh, and Nicholas LeBlanc. He had a great win last time out against Ryan Curtis, who, and maybe that's a bit of an underrated win because Ryan Curtis is, is probably an underrated fighter. And, and, you know, it was a very good win in Dublin last time. And then we've uh, Tanio Pagliariccio, who I mentioned a second ago, fighting Sam Creasy. You know, it it just feels like there there's almost a mini tournament going on here to see who's going to be the the next in line. You know, Creasy's been around for a long time. If you describe Creasy, he's just he's an MMA fighter, isn't he? Like he's he's just an all around guy. And Plagdi Riccio, watching him back, I was more impressed with him, I think, than I've ever been before. Look, he's like his game is so good. Like he's such a good jab, and he's power when he connects. Very good at throwing combos, and he throws those wheel kicks out there as well. These two flyweight fights, very interesting in terms of the the divisional talk, Brad, at the moment, aren't they? 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Tanio's the unicorn, right? The SBG fighter in Cage Warriors. Brilliant. The world is coming together. (laughs) It's fantastic. It's always good to see. Always good to see. Look, you know, I I thought Tanio was a bit unfortunate last time out. He obviously took um, took an illegal knee, I believe it was, from uh, Gerardo Funny, uh, who we know is known for devastating uh, power in his knee strikes. And, you know, couldn't couldn't come out for the third round, I believe it was. And, you know, nobody wanted to see the fight end like that. And, and I don't think that's, you know, a fair reflection of, um, you know, his, his ability and and where he stands in the division. Um, and I, th- I think he's going to get another big chance to prove himself against Sam Creasy. As we say, you know, Sam's a, a multiple time uh, title challenger, a former champion himself, uh, a guy who's just been around, seen it all, done it all good in every single area. Um, and I, I think they're going to match up really well. You know, I, I'm expecting this one to go the distance. I'm expecting to see a little bit of everything. Uh, and like you say, you know, for, for the guy who gets the win here, I don't think we're holding that loss to uh, Gerardo Fanny against Pagliariccio. So it's a big step forward in the division for for whoever gets the win here. You know, and I, I'm perhaps even more um, intrigued by the uh, the Lupoli LeBlanc fight. Now, Michelangelo Lupoli, you know, you look at the two guys that he got in Cage Warriors, you know, and you have to bear in mind as well, when he debuted in Cage Warriors, he was five, five and one, five and two, perhaps. So we are very, very uh, novice in his career, just at that level where, you know, obviously just beating Pagliariccio, so we kind of knew how good he was. But then to get Aaron Aby for your first Cage Warriors fight is very impressive. And to get Sam Creasy for your second, also impressive when, you know, you, you've got less than 10 fights on your ledger. Um, and look, you know, successful against Aaron Aby, wasn't successful against Sam Creasy. That's, you know, the biggest test he had in his career up to that point. And he certainly didn't look like he didn't belong in the cage with Creasy. You know, it, it was certainly not a whitewashing by um, by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, and then you take Nicolas LeBlanc. You know, this this is a guy I, I really, really like. And I'm, I'm sorry we've not seen so much of him on Cage Warriors. Um, you know, he debuted against Sam Creasy uh, a few years ago in a very, very similar position himself. You know, I think he was... He, he was only five, five, five and zero, oh, five and one, maybe when when he fought Sam Creasy back in the day. Um, that huge, huge knockout of Darren O'Gorman is is one that still kind of keeps me awake at night sometimes. Um, and then an absolute brawl with Luke Shanks in the flyweight tournament. And as you say, you know, came back and got that bulldog choke, which you know you don't see many of those uh, in mixed martial arts these days. This guy's got a lot of skills. His striking is very, very technically proficient. Uh, he's a judo black belt. He's competed. Uh, high level internationally at judo. So he's a threat wherever the fight goes. Uh, and again, it's flyweight. So you know you're getting 15 minutes more likely than not. Can't wait. Indeed. There's a, a long undercard in with a lot of upper-gummers on it, Brad. If, is there anyone, if there anyone there that sends out you, let us know. We also have the Leon Aliu Alan Carlos fight. Did Alan Carlos not retire after his last fight? Or am I gone mad? It feels like it 40 years of age, back at it again against Leon Aliu, who I watched a couple of his fights there, and he's like, I've never seen a middleweight fight more like a heavyweight than Leon Aliu. He just throws punch after punch after punch. But there's that fight but there's a lot of up-and-comers on this undercard as well as you say Brad with records you know you're you're looking on here there's a couple of guys 3-0 and versus 3-0 and 3-1 and versus 4-1 and even a couple of uh, one or two guys you know making their debut or one fight into their career anyone there who stands out uh, that maybe the uh, the fans might know might know now but might know after uh, Saturday night 
Oh, look, man, let, let's give uh, let's give, give Alan Alan Carlos and Ian Ali a little shout out first, man. Like Alan, Alan Carlos has had his MMA retirement a couple of times now, I believe. But <laughs> look, he's just game for a fight, and so is Leon Ali, and this is going to be loads of fun. But yeah, you know, in, in terms of um, in terms of the other stuff on the card, I think uh, Emmanuele Tete. You know, you look back at his last fight; he's certainly one to keep an eye on. Uh, dangerous finisher. Uh, you got uh, Matteo Martignoni there as well, who's the brother of uh, Michele Martignoni. Um, he's making uh, his Cage Warriors debut and hearing nothing but good things out of the uh, Aurora MMA gym about him. And I think we touched on it briefly before, the uh, Valentino Riva taking on Giuseppe Mastro's Giacomo, uh, two guys undefeated, both uh, both 3-0, I believe. Um, hearing good things about both of them, that's going to be you know, a real scrap for the locals uh, early in the evening. Uh, but again, I think, you know, potentially the winner of that one is going to be one you, you're going to see slightly further up the card uh, should we go back to Rome next year. So, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of good stuff to look out for. I think, you know, like like Graham said, uh, with, with the guys on the old triangle uh, a few weeks ago, you know, that Dublin card was very much kind of a rebuilding phase. Uh, and I think we're in a, a similar sort of situation uh, with the Italian guys now. It's the, the building phase rather than the rebuilding phase. You know, we're going to be seeing guys who put in big performances on this card uh, and get big wins on this card going to be featuring more prominently next year and it's a very interesting time because like a lot of those championships are about to be filled up with new people that's almost like you know when you get a date for the next fight you you that's when it starts when these guys on the way up get that name and get that person to shoot for like well i can beat that guy and i feel like it just lifts them up and we're going to see a lot of that in cage warriors over the next while and i'm really looking forward to seeing how it all emerges Brad, thank you very well, much. Well, this is the thing, what? you know, we like there's there's that we we do a lot of events. There's a lot of opportunities, and and things happen. I mean, you know, but a bit of breaking news today. Uh, obviously, you know, we were we were planning to have Reese McEwen versus uh, Nathan Fletcher for the bantamweight title. Fletcher's injured, so Liam Gittins gets the shot. He, Fletcher's teammate, four wins in a row, but he's been quietly racking them up, and all of a sudden that opportunity's there. And Gittins is a guy who's been around for a long time putting on exciting fights, and then his phone rings when the opportunity's there. And I think you're going to see guys on this card uh, in Rome uh, this weekend. They want to make that statement win. So all of a sudden, when the opportunity arises, they can stick their hand up and everyone will be like, hey, that's the guy who got the crazy knockout in Rome. I want to see him fight for the belt. And if he's a guy like Gittins as well, I feel like we've mentioned it before on this, like, oh, geez, he's kind of... He's kind of- crawling up there and we haven't known maybe this guy deserves an opportunity maybe this guy deserves a shot and then he gets it you know and that's the the type of thing that can very much happen and uh, looking forward to that fight and I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, uh, Graham Boylan and yourself and Ian Dean have uh, in store for us over the uh, over the next few months Brad thank you very much for joining me thank you to everybody for tuning in tuning to Cage Warriors this Saturday night on UFC Fight Pass my name is Sean Sheehan for Shardog.com and we'll see you all next time.